This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am with my co-host Susie Glassman. Susie, you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. You ever wonder, like, who everyone is? Right. You know, I'm always amazed that anyone even listens. So, and like, like we put it out, and five thousand people listen almost immediately, and I'm just like. We have no production quality, you know, so clearly the, the information must be pretty good. Um, yeah, I so, a, client, a client told me in a review that he was listening to me while he was in his, like, doing his spin class. And I'm like, okay, that's just weird. <laughs> but, yeah, and he was he was complimenting the, the information presented, but it was just funny to me. Yeah. So um, just a few housekeeping things to get out of the way. Um, the, uh, uh, we still invite only, um, probably going to be a little hit and miss over the holidays. Um, so if you're hoping to sign up, um, before then is probably really good. Um, that'll probably be the best time because I'm just going to let you guys know that, uh, after July 4th, is one of those days where everybody's like, oh, my God, Dairy Queen every day is catching up to me, you know. And when I when I, when I say that, I'm actually referring to myself. Um, <laughs> and so the other thing that is actually a big thing as well is we're going to be opening up the Better Dieting course. And for those that don't know, we have two – Courses. We have the certification course to become an e-form coach, and then we have this better dieting course. And the way that the better dieting course works is that it's more like a living, breathing thing, whereas the course is more like here's the information that you need to understand and perform. And there are changes, but usually not as many as it would be with this. And um, you know. What I'm trying to do is pull on some some relationships that I have that could get us some really cool information. But uh, basically, right now, I, I, there there looks to be uh, we have a module in protein that doesn't have the the um, the uh, volume on it, so uh, we might need to work on that. But so far, we have um, a lot of content related to obesity, diabetes, if that's something, or if you want to get a better understanding of type 2 diabetes, um, and then carbohydrates and kind of the myths and things that you want to know. Um, but the big thing that I think that is going to appeal to most people is going to be access to me and the people that I know, right? And so that's what the webinars for that class, we'll do them once a week. The first one's going to be on July 13th. Um, so if you have bought the Platinum Access, um, you'll be invited to those webinars. And uh, there's really two levels. You can get the content for one price, and you can get the content plus the webinars. And frankly, um, I think the webinars – is the real value um, just to be able to kind of pick my brain, um, ask questions, you know, 
what we did in the past was various PhDs that I knew that that I paid when um, I was getting. We brought a lot of those folks on. We brought on a lot of people that were relatively famous. You know, uh, Lane Norton comes to mind. Brad Schoenfeld comes to mind. Uh, there was just a number of people that we had access to. And it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, Andy Galpan was not well known when we did our podcast with him. And it's actually still one of the podcasts, I, I should probably put it out, um, that hasn't been listened to very much. And then, you know, after his appearances on the Joe Rogan show and things of that nature, you know, he's gotten a lot better well known with some of his relationship with USA weightlifting. And so, so we've done a lot of really cool stuff in the past. Um, and so I'm anticipating some really cool stuff in the future. So we'll get into the topic of the day, but I wanted to follow up from last week's uh, talk about the mini cut because there have been some changes that I made that I think would be important to people. So I, I talked about the overall loss, which was basically seven pounds in seven days. So if Susie was coaching me, I'm not going to ask her because she might say the wrong thing, but if she were coaching me and I had lost seven pounds in seven days, she would say to me, dude, we're too aggressive here. Let's get you back some food. And the only reason I didn't do that up to that point was because my sleep was going fine. And as long as my sleep was going fine, it was not going to be a problem. Um, as you might imagine, running Egypt form can sometimes be a little bit of a stressful thing. And right around Tuesday, it did start to affect my sleep, along with my daily, you know, things that I deal with, right? And so, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, what actually happened was, you know, Mondays are always a pretty stressful day in my world. And it happened to also be a low day, right? So I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and just could not get back to sleep thinking about all the problems from that day, you know. And a lot of times well, people will often focus on the problem of that day as the thing that's keeping them up or, or maybe think to themselves, well, you know, stress kind of kept me up. It's almost always not the case, right? It, it, you know, when you're eating less, you're essentially trying to get your body to react to stimulus, right? And I talked a lot about the fact that, you know, it was not necessarily fat, but getting rid of that first water is important, right? And so um, what I did was is I added um, some food in the morning, you know, it's sort of how you view fasting. As someone that knows a lot about fasting, um, I found it best for me to add back in, you know, my morning bagel um, and then fast till, you know, what was still four o'clock, right? Um, which kind of stopped me going to my lowest every single day. Um, and I will also say that, uh, 
the things that I had in place last week, you've got to think about all the connections here, right? When I'm sleeping well, it's a lot easier to move and exercise and things of this nature. When I'm not sleeping well, I'm not going to burn the candle at both ends. That just makes the problem worse, right? And so the idea, you know, Susie wasn't here, but I was talking about, and, and this might shock you guys, but like everybody on staff does not listen to every single podcast that we put out. And so what I said was, is that I started with 8,000 steps and then gradually moved up to what, what was ultimately 17,000. And um, I would move steps back, which is what I did. Um, but last week I was able to go to the gym on Tuesday and Thursday, obviously waking up at two o'clock in the morning. Um, I did not go to the gym that Tuesday. Uh, my sleep gradually started to get better throughout the week. Um, and I attribute that a lot to the fact that I kind of plugged the hole. So, so I'm still down, you know, an additional two pounds from that point. But I'm getting real signs that, you know, things are slowing to the point of a crawl. But here's the interesting point. I'm considering going on. And here's why I'm considering going on. Firstly, I had a close family member, you know, who, you know, mentioned to me that, you know, they needed a little motivation to get going because I was talking to them about, you know, my mini cut. And, you know, this is someone that I care about. And, and to me, just gangstering up and doing another, you know, two weeks, you know, depending on what they're kind of up for, right? Whether it be a mini cut or kind of a full fat loss cycle, I'm that kind of gangster, you know what I mean? Like, like, like to me, when they were talking to me, I remember what it was like to be alone, right? Walking and going on hikes when it was 15 below. And I remember what it was like waking up at 4.30 in the morning, putting on espresso just so I could go to the gym and then I would work out later that night. So anytime someone close to me that I care about greatly, you know, has that problem, I'm going to step up and do it. I'm not sure that they are going to want to do it, but that's the only thought process. But I'm, I'm, you know, I would say I'm probably 75% to continue on. But one of the things that I think is going to help me continue on is the fact that I did up my calories and I did slow things down a little bit. And if I needed to, I could actually cut them down a little bit more. One of the things that I don't think a lot of people think about, and this is something that, you know, if you look back to your dieting history, when you go from, you know, Dairy Queen every day, you know, to, and relatively high macros. I mean, I joke about the Dairy Queen thing, but, you know, mostly I was eating whole foods and eating relatively healthy. It was just those moments that just started to add up on each other. And it was just like, well, okay, it's time to act, right? And I think we all have those moments. I don't think you're ever going to really get out of that. Susie ha talks about that all the time where once a year, you know, she just tightens things up and, and that's the way that she likes to do it. You know, for me, you know, um, 
you, you know, this was really, other than kind of a, another short stint in January, it was really kind of the first time in, in, in five years. Um, and it's interesting because I'd say for the first five to six days, you know, I was still kind of getting my sea legs underneath me, but I, I was I was feeling good about it, right? And I was feeling really good about the direction. And it's hard to not feel good, right, when, you know, you're losing weight every single day. Um, and then I'd say right around Saturday, you started to, you know, I started to get some indications that this was going to get hard quick, you know. I mean, a great example what what I'm really trying to do, I, I talked about it, you know, if you want to go listen to the last podcast, but I talked about I'm, I'm meeting roughly the same thing. By Saturday, you know, which was my super day, um, I, I just said we went to a movie and, and I, I just came out of the movie and, you know, I had my meal prepped and I was like, yeah, I'm not eating that, <laughs> you know, and I ate the same amount. Right. But I had to try something different, you know, I mean, even me, who's totally comfortable eating the same thing over and over again. You know, it was just getting really, really boring, you know. Yeah. And so. um, But, you know, the um, there's a guy at my gym that what what I've been doing is on Tuesdays and Thursdays. um, Going. And there's a couple of us that that go and we do, you know, kind of whatever we're all feeling on doing that day. Like last week, we did um, sled pulls um, up a ramp. Um, it it was it was way more brutal than you would think it, it could. <laughs> um, but um, you know, it's really more like pump style training, or at least that's kind of the idea of what we're trying to do. And then and then obviously getting in two to three wads all my workouts right now i mean it's just a shit show you know i mean i i just don't have the energy to perform at my absolute best and i'm okay with that right like my right now my biggest priority is not to be good at exercise you know but once i'm done with this then it will be good to exercise but you know um (laughs) <laughs> one of the guys that I mean both of the guys that I work out with are great motivation right but the other one is basically 40 year old me you know and and you know he's like super shredded you know fitness has been a priority in his life most of the time and you know we were talking about all these various things and so he may end up being my motivation to kind of continue on um I, I still would follow the principles. Uh, if you if you've ever been in fat loss one, fat loss two, um, you know basically I I just went from fat loss two macros to fat loss one macros, right? Um, and and so that really kind of describes it. When you think of a mini cut, you know if you've ever done fat loss one, fat loss two, mini cut if your calories are high enough are going to start off at fat loss one and then after a week move to fat loss two, right? Um, I didn't really think that my macros were all that high, but I definitely got some indications that maybe I, you know, overdoing it on the sodium, you know, like when you, when you eat barbecue, as an example, you know, you don't really know what the, there's like a great barbecue place here in town, 
you don't really know how much sodium's in that, right? Like, and and there's no real great way to guess it, you know? And so I just think one of the things that people just don't consider is just that those, you know, just that small intervention made a really big difference, right? And And I didn't need to be as aggressive as I thought I did to see real progress and I'm still seeing real progress, right? So um, we'll see how it goes, you know. Um, I try to make no promises, but but at the same time, um, if I put someone in fat loss one, you know, um, I kind of expect them to do fat loss two. Now, sometimes life just gets in the way and you can't do it, so we always give people that option, but at the end of the day, you know, if you just do fat loss one or you just do mini cuts, what's going to end up happening is you're just going to be in this rinse and repeat mode, right? You have to be able to get through these longer cycles. And I did not really know if I would be ready for it mentally. And I feel like I might be, you know, I'm not going to commit to it right now. I'm not going to say one way or the other, but you know, if you think about the summer, you know, barbecue you can fit in barbecue right like you you know all the things that you might enjoy um i don't drink right so so not drinking puts me at a great advantage compared to people that do and that's part of their summer enjoyment so i just wanted everybody up to speed um not necessarily weighing myself twice a day anymore don't need to um have done it a few times uh, that, you know, that's how I know I'm at kind of my lowest. Um, but we are going to be talking a little bit about, um, you know, weighing yourself daily, some of the factors and things of that nature, because um, I think that that's sort of an interesting topic. And I put that into the Better Dieting Group. Um, once again, if you're not familiar with the Better Dieting Group, it's the place that we do our free challenges, right? You don't have to be an for member. Uh, and we put a lot of great information in that group uh, a lot of times before you know we put it on the main page so take a look at that but uh, Susie any thoughts I mean because I think that one of the things that I know you're a fan of fasting I talked about fasting last week and then now you know I don't think that a lot of people realize that as an example, you have a bagel at 6 a.m., but you don't eat till 4 p.m., that's also a window, right? It might not be, it might not be a continuous window, right? But it is going to allow you to kind of get similar type benefits, right? And one of the things that I think about a lot, and this is one of the things that if I start to wake up starving or I start to wake up at two in the morning and I'm hungry, folks, I'm not sticking it out. It's, it's not worth it. It doesn't make any sense to do that, you know? Um, and you know, once I started adding back in that food, um, one, it was, it was of course a lot easier to get to 4 PM, but I was still seeing my weight continue to go down. Right. And, you know, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, you know, is your weight 
going to go down more when you can walk more, have more energy, get to the gym and sleep better? Or is it going to go better if you wake up at 2 a.m., gut it out? In my thought process, so let's say that I woke up at 2 a.m. and then didn't eat to 4 p.m. I think what would happen in that scenario is I'd pull more water out of my body and potentially put muscle at risk, right? Whereas if I was to, you know, sleep a normal eight, nine hours, that I could handle it better. I mean, it's sort of a known fact that when you are not sleeping well, um, the thing that you would benefit from is not only more food, but typically more carbohydrates. That's why I added that, right? Um, it keeps cortisol at bay and then allows you to sleep better. And so while my sleep's not back to where it was even now, right? It's, it's so funny because because it was like I woke up that one day at 2.40 and then the next day I woke up at 3.40 and the next day 4.40. I mean, it's just like I just added an hour every single day. Um, so, Susie, any thoughts on that before we talk about weighing yourself daily? Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts, but I'll start with the fasting part of it just because you, that's the thing you were just talking about. Um, the one thing, Paul said I'm a fan of fasting, and I, I mean, I am, but I also think that what fasting does for you is teaches you that it's okay to be hungry. Um, there was a post the other day and said something along the lines of, you know, my calories are at 1,500, and I'm hungry, and I just can't stick to that. And I think what happens is when we're hungry, especially, you know, in our in 2019, we tend to freak out <laughs> when we're hungry. Um, and then I think that when you get used to fasting longer, you just realize like, okay, I'm hungry. Um, and I'm just gonna, maybe I'll eat something sort of fibrous and healthy, like uh, some cucumbers or, you know, add throw some vegetables in there to fill you up, but that you don't have to necessarily um, give in when you're hungry. You will be okay. Um, my exception is when you wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so like like Paul was saying, um, typically when you wake up in the middle of the night like that, it's because your blood sugar has dropped. Um, it ha It's normal. It happens. It just doesn't normally wake you up. So um, when you wake up, you'll have that hungry, kind of slightly nauseous feeling that you should not try to power through. Um, I was reading, you know, just about 15 grams of carbs. So, you know, some crackers, saltines, you know, something carbs are going to be good for you in that situation. You don't need to go and raid the fridge in the middle of the night. Um, you know, grab a handful of crackers and go back to sleep. So um, and then my other my other point that I wanted to talk about as far as mini cuts go is just timing. So um, the advantage of being an Eat to Perform member is that you can chat with your coach about it. But I don't think I think the timing of it. You mentioned this, Paul. Maybe after you're, you come back from vacation um, and you're feeling kind of some extra pounds from vacation, uh, maybe you're in between training cycles, uh, trying to think of some other good times. Um, you know, maybe you just maybe you can go on vacation, but you're you're hitting the ice cream and and all of a sudden you realize, hey, you know, maybe I need to cut back. Um, I think when it's not a good time 
is if you are starting a new like a strength program or you are heavily into a strength program at the moment um, you've just completed a full fat loss cycle um, or your calories are you know we're still kind of working your calories up um, those I would I would say um, are not the best times I think when you're coming off a period of excess calories um, is going to be when a mini cat is going to do you the most good. So, yeah, that's great example of what you just talked about, where um, we had someone that went to fat loss, um, and this was someone that was a relatively new client. Um, and, you know, she came to us like eating just ridiculously low calories and moved to performance right out the gate. And was probably two months in, I think, maybe three months in. Um, and, you know, I brought up the mini cut as an option because, you know, from her previous perspective, you know, it was really all about the weight. And I tell you, you know, well, this will probably come up in the next part. Um, but I think the thing that kind of gets people all the time is when they're 140.5 and want to get to 139.8 and it's like i mean you can go to the bathroom <laughs> you can do all you can go for a walk you could take a bath i mean there's so many things that you could do that would get you through that time and there needs to there needs to be something that we can do about that. I don't know. You know, I I have maybe haven't put a lot of mental energy to it. But come on, you know, like if your scale reads 142, you could step on Susie's scale and it might read 139.8. Did you lose 2.2 pounds? No, you just stepped on a different scale. And and I just think mentally, people allow that to play a bigger role than than they need to. Um, I did want to mention something because Susie brought up some great points there. Um, but I think that there's a reason why a lot of people do get hungry. Um, you know, obviously when you're eating less, you're, you're more prone to be hungry. But if you eat a lot of small meals, right, and, and you stagger those throughout the day and you don't save a lot of macros for the evening – you know, I would I would argue that at least 40 percent of your macros should be after six o'clock just so you can sleep well. Right. Yeah. Um, and so so that could be another factor as a, as it relates to hunger. I will say uh, I, I agree with your blood sugar thing. I, I just just from my perspective, I mean, it was just a very clear cortisol scenario. Right. Oh, right. Where, where, you know, I was just wide awake, you know, um, and then, you know, the five things that I was working on that day that I still need to work on the next day just took me over, you know, and I, I think that if, you know, I hadn't been as aggressive or whatever, whatever, I would have been able to power through it. I'm not using any type of sleep aids or ZMA or anything like that right now. Um, I'm trying to avoid that as much as possible just so I can, you know, just 
be able to listen to my body and the signals that I'm getting from my body rather than ignoring them and taking a pill, right? And I get that some people need that, you know, to kind of reestablish some good habits and things of that nature, and I need that at times, right? But I just don't feel like, yeah. It's funny because I think a lot of people will take a, a slam of ZMA before they will eat a bagel. And, yeah. And, and the bagel's better, right? The bagel is better. You just don't need to be that aggressive. You got a sign that you shouldn't be that aggressive. And this right here, folks, is why you need a coach. A coach will be able to tell you that, and you will not listen because you – let's be real. I mean, I was loving it. Seven pounds one week. You know, do the math. I'll be at zero within 16 weeks, you know? And, yeah. I mean, like, I'm being funny, but but that is how people think. Right. And, you know, I knew that we were coming. I said it in the last podcast. I knew that we were getting to the point where it was going to start getting hard. Um, and and I, I really actually like what I did. Right. I really think that um, kind of just putting in that stopgap measure allowed me to kind of continue on. And then, you know, if I want to go to, you know, the the more aggressive part. I can still do that, right? Um, but I'm probably not going to do that if I'm seeing progress, right? Right. Uh, and um, I, I did want to talk a little bit about that, and I know that's going to take away a little bit of our time talking about about weighing yourself and and you know the ideas and thought processes related to that. But I talked a lot about if you want to put on muscle, you have to weigh X amount. And this is one of the, the advantages to having a little bit more weight on you. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about set point theory. And, and depending on who you are personally, there's some people that go, oh, set point theory, good idea. Let me use that to my advantage. Or you're the person that goes, set point theory, I'm broken, can't be fixed. You know, that's not how set point theory works, right? And in reality, you know, what I talked about before was, you know, and, and, and a friend of Susie and I, Mike Nelson, um, talks about this, where to affect homeostasis, you have to do something dramatic, right? And so if you're sitting at your set point, or your body is found balanced at, let's say, 195 pounds, then your body is naturally inclined to kind of stay in that area. Like even in my scenario, it went up a couple pounds, but it wasn't like, you know, devastating or anything like that. And, you know, truthfully, um, you know, I, I opted for a more acute thing and that's the point that Mike makes, right? Is that if you want to affect homeostasis, you can't just do it a little bit, right? Your body adjusts to a little bit. Everybody kind of wants to do that. Like there's so many people that I talk to on a daily basis that want to move things 20 calories or move things 100 calories. It's like you're not going to see a result that way. But now here's the good news. Once you lose that weight, homeostasis reestablishes at that lower point and then you could start to push 
what your body can get away with at the higher point because your set point in theory would reset you know let's say that i went from 195 to 179 you know your body's going to reset and find balance there after a while now you have to take the period after dieting even in a mini cut very serious because if you go done dieting cheesecake time and all of a sudden you just have cheesecake and beer for a week you're just going to go back to the previous weight really fast now you can be overly cautious right in that scenario and that's also a negative right because as i talked about your body is going to naturally want to grow your body is naturally going to want to hold on to you know the nutrients that you're bringing in um you are going to be a little bit more prone to store but but that gets overblown a little bit typically what we know is that people are better off normalizing calories faster right and then you go yeah but that that's not what you do i know that's not what we do and that's because of you guys right we are trying to address the concerns that you have. But I'm just telling you, when I reverse out of my calories, I'm basically going to go to half of where I was previously and then full within three weeks, right? But what most people do, I mean, one meal, you're good, right? You have that one meal, get it out, you're good, right? But if it starts to creep into five, six meals and then turns into a week and then all of a sudden you're in Disney and fuck it land, right? <laughs> like, like Disney can really turn to fuck it land. You know? um, if, if you're hungry, right? Because, you know, there's not going to be a lot of options for you that aren't funnel cakes, you know? And so you have to be prepared. You have to have an idea what you're going to do. But the good news is is that when you are at that lower weight if you can just get you know i know everybody wants to get to 179.8 and never change right um you have to allow for a little bit of buffer you have to allow for a little bit of fluctuation and that's going to allow a perfect segue into our next conversation right and our next conversation is should you weigh yourself more often and is it okay to weigh yourself daily or even twice a day right and i'm on the side of more information is better but here's my caveat one do you have an eating disorder are you under the care of a doctor then if you are go talk to your doctor don't talk to paul and susie we're just people on the internet talking about food right <laughs> doctors actually know your condition and have more of an understanding but the good majority of people that are avoiding a scale are avoiding a scale because they don't want the information and there is no world where being less enlightened gets you more enlightened right gets you more information and the problem is is that if you overvalue that number as it relates to your self-worth as it relates to your progress as it relates to a lot of things 
then you're sort of missing the overall boat, right? Now you go, well, wait a second, Paul, aren't you being a hypocrite? I mean, you're talking about weighing yourself. It clearly matters to you. Well, true, right? And I think that that is a fair criticism if you did not know that it barely matters to me, right? Like, and and I, I would make the strong argument that when you are in fat loss cycle, you know, you're going to be more acutely aware of this kind of thing. But if my weight's up on any one given day, it's not going to affect me that much. I talked about it last podcast that, um, you know, I'll do as much as I can, right? But I would say that, you know, steps are as, as important of a data point, right? Um, in that equation, strain from my whoop would be as an important part of the data. Um, you know, obviously calories would be an important data point. So really, you probably have about 30 data points that you can look at really to kind of see how things are going. The problem is, is that of those 30 things, if, if you're doing all those 30 things, for just that weight number to go down all the time, right? I mean, if you've been dieting since you were five years old and haven't lived in a world where you aren't dieting, you know, then your expectation of constantly wanting to go, the scale to go down is, is unrealistic. And if you think that you're broken and your metabolism doesn't work, it might not. And the reason why it might not work is because you're the problem right? Because you don't understand how metabolism works, right? Metabolism is not like this nebulous thing. Basically, it's going to be a lot of factors. It's going to be your uh, the amount of food that you intake, right? The things that you do or not do, right? So a lot of times when someone is obese, they'll think to themselves that they have a very poor metabolism when in fact they have a fantastic metabolism right? Because if you are obese and you are eating, you know, kind of carelessly, right? Um, your body has to process that food. I always think to myself, like, how in the I mean, the amount of food that I must have been eating to get obese just was astronomical because I still, I was always a pacer. I was always a high energy person. Right. So at my highest, when I was eating, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine at the gym who works downtown and I was telling him this restaurant that we live at, which is a really good Mexican restaurant here in the Twin Cities called La Cucarachas, which is a very weird name. Terrible name. It's a terrible name for a restaurant, but amazing food. And if I go eat that food, once every two months now, something like that, um, my body reacts so vehemently against it. It's just so good. You have to do it. Um, but I was eating that when we lived there, when we lived right next door, I ate that six times a week. Right. And, and so when, you know, I talk about kind of not being when I wasn't in a dieting cycle, Right. And when I was in a dieting cycle, I went to the absolute opposite extreme. Right. And so 
getting back to kind of weighing yourself, let me let me just pause there. I'm gonna get Susie's opinions and thoughts because I'm sure she has some great ideas here, and then I'll just kind of try to re-collect myself and <laughs> what she's saying. Yeah, I'll say uh, a perspective as an individual and then my perspective as a coach. Um, as an individual, I do weigh every day. I have for years. And also as a female, I'm not going to lie and say that that number never gets to me, um, especially when I am focused on getting that number down and it's either not moving or it's uh, higher than I've expected. I think a lot of us um, have like a number with a zero at the end that we're trying to get under. So, you know, if, if it's 130 or it's 180, you know, it feels good to be 129 or 179, right? And so you get, you wake up in the morning and then you get on the scale and instead of being 180 or 179, it's 182. And um, you feel bad, right? I feel bad. I mean, that happens to me too. Um, but the good news is I've been weighing myself long enough to know that it's just a number um, and it doesn't reflect um, all the things that I've been working on. Um, and typically, I either know why it's up. Um, maybe I've had a couple of, of restaurant meals or I went to a friend's house and, and socialized and had a barbecue and that sort of thing. And so I'm not going to get down on myself because I had a good time, right? And, I, you know, you know, you learn that it's going to go up, it's going to come down. Um, you also learn, you know, as a female, by weighing yourself more often, you learn when you're in the cycle or the effect that your cycle is going to have on the scale. As for some of my clients, it's that, you know, and for myself, the effect is pretty minimal, but for others, it can be, you know, four to six pounds. So if you don't get that data, you won't realize that that's what's happening. Um, you'll also get more data like, you know, does my weight go up after a tough workout? Um, does my weight go up when I'm sore? Does my weight go up um, when I'm stressed? You know, and if you're weighing yourself once a week, that's not kind of the, you won't get that feedback. And um, I always tell people to look at your goal weight as a range. Um, so I had someone mention to me that our goal weight was 150. I said, well, don't look at 150. Look at my goal weight is 149 to 153. You know, so that way, if your goal weight's 150, but you weigh 153, you're still in your goal range, and it's not going to ruin your day. Um, you have to be somewhat stoic about data. Um, the The scale is the one thing you cannot control, um, but you can control um, your steps. You can control your food quality. You can control your sleep. All of the things that really matter. Um, and then whatever happens on the scale, you know, eventually the scale is going to, you know, make progress. Um, but I always tell people when they're a little bit upset about the scale that that that's just the one thing you sort of have to let go of, that it's, it's a number and it, it's not always a reflection of all of the hard work that you are putting in. And you can't control it. So let it go. Now, here's my comment as a coach. <laughs> Um, if it's driving you crazy and mentally, you know, the scale's not where you want to be. And so you, then you go off and have a totally bucket day. 
um, don't do, I don't want you to do that. So way, you know, maybe way after your low days or um, twice a week, once a week, something like that. Um, but my preference is for the data because if you're weighing for me only once a week or only once every other week, I can't tell what your range is. So I can't tell, um, is that weight the high end of your range or is that the low end of your range? Because if you're stable, you know, maybe it's time we, we give you a calorie increase, um, knowing that in the future we're going to go for a cut. Um, but I'm not going to increase your calories if I think your weight is up. Um, and maybe it's not up, <laughs> right? So as a coach, I like to see the data. Um, it really does. Like, like you said, you know, we're obviously going to move calories both up and down depending on how the plan needs to evolve, right? And you know, the one thing that that makes you perform, I think, vastly different from other places. And I'm not saying that other places won't add food occasionally, but you know, I, I hear the stories of you know I was eating 900 calories and now they've got me at 1050. It's like that's not really helping, right? And it looks like, I mean, it seems like every single time we do a podcast, we, um, coming at your door. <laughs> yeah. So Amazon Prime is here, and I'm absolutely certain they're going to ring the doorbell. Um, so, couple thoughts. It is an absolute fact that if you weigh yourself daily, that you control your weight better than people that don't right and and the reason why you do um and and i would say i would argue that it's actually a negative um is because you overreact right and i think if you're signing up to a program like eat to perform and the thought process is something like all of this is information i'll, I'll Everything, all the information out there is so confusing, it's all overwhelming, and you've resigned yourself to the fact that you're going to finally, once and for all, figure all this out, and then you go, well, I don't want to know this, and I don't want to know that, and I don't want to know this. I'm just going to tell you, of all my private clients, not one of them doesn't weigh daily, right? And And I think... If you allow your coach to coach you, like think about what a coach is, you know, a coach walks you through the trouble periods, right? And if you don't allow that coach to do their job, then you're kind of missing the point. Now, if you're new to Eat to Perform and you haven't weighed yourself in two years and, and it's really weighing on you, like, like Susie's saying, you know, then we're going to allow for it a little bit more. Right. But in general, you just like making us punch with one hand tied behind our back. Yeah. You know? And and, you know, once again, I think we can get you to a better place where getting that information is better than not getting that information. You know, I mean, there's so many people that come to us from like a low carb background and then they've gotten stuck and they couldn't figure out why they got stuck. And the minute they get their macros, you know, the first thought is, oh, these carbs are just so many. And then what they didn't realize is that they were eating 150 grams of fat each day. Right. right? And then all of a sudden, that one data piece 
allows them to lose 10 pounds. And so what I'm saying is, is that is that the more data you give us, the more data we can walk through, right? So even something like resting heart rate, if we get resting heart rate, start to see that your resting heart rate is going up, I'm gonna say to you, hey, might be time to chill out a little bit, you know? Um, and, and oftentimes that'll, you know, the person is overdoing it because weight is up or, or something of that nature, um, or they're overdoing it because of a CrossFit competition, you know, and don't realize, you know, it's kind of hard to get out of that mentality. I mean, like what Susie was saying, we're, we're maybe better than the people listening to this podcast right now, but I, I can't lie to you, you know, when the scale's up, I don't love it. You know, I don't love it when I look in the mirror and I, you know, saw definition one day, but don't see definition another day, you know? Um, so these are all things that, that matter. Um, so you said as a female, it matters to you. It matters to men. Similar. You know, um, there's really no difference. Um, and then the thing that I think happens, so I have a great example. So we have someone that, I mean, I have so many examples like this. Um, you know, they're, there are example, I'm just I'm, thinking, I'm struggling with how specific I can be and I don't think I can, right? Um, so all I'm going to say is that in the case of this one person that I'm thinking of, but but there's she's just an avatar for I'd say 20 people that I inherited recently. Um, she's down 25 pounds, right? And um, and and her and at least one other person that I can think of who lost 20 to 30 pounds in the course of two to three months are now focused on that that new number and wanting that number to go down. Mm -hmm. This is the most important thing you will hear on this podcast this weekend, unless Susie says something, just <laughs> knock it out the park. You never right? know. It could happen. It could <laughs> happen. It's easy to trump me. Um. When you're not dieting, you should not expect to lose weight, right? I mean, like, that's the point of not dieting is to normalize and have kind of that fluctuating. I do think that, that actually, I'm going to go back. The best thing in this podcast so far was the 149 to 153 fluctuation. Don't think of your goals as 150. Think of your goals as a range. That's the best thing that's come out of this podcast. The second best thing is when you're not dieting, stop thinking you need to lose weight. Stop thinking that your weight needs to go down because the reality of the situation. So let me give you an example in the scenario that I was just talking about. Because once again, we're talking about someone that lost a great deal of weight. And they're at one of those numbers that really means a lot to people, right? And and I'm no different. When I when that number happened to me, it meant a lot to me, 
You know, so I get it. I get the mind fuck that happens in that scenario, right? But if you lose 30 pounds and your weight fluctuates even up to five pounds, I mean, Susie was talking about barbecues and she talked about living life for joy. And what she really meant was alcohol, <laughs> right? So I need everybody to hear that, right? Because when we see big fluctuations, there's one of two things. It's salt or alcohol. And when you combine salt and alcohol, oh, boy, <laughs> I mean, things can get wild fast, you know. But, but typically, your body can flush that out really quickly, you know. But, like, in the scenario with this person, you know, who's been trying to get under a weight for a really long time, you know, saying to them, five pounds heavier than that, you know, just suck it up, kid. Because when we want to get, you know, more often than not, you know, so I'll use an example, not specific to this example, but I'll use an example of someone that wants to get under 200 pounds, right? Holding on to a weight with a death grip and your macros, not allowing your macros to normalize or, or always freaking out every single time it's at 200.1. Obviously, as coaches, we're going to be sensitive to that information. But let's be real, your goal is not 200. Your goal might be 150, right? So we talk about this a lot, but if you're view yourself as a bank, as a metabolic bank, and you're not making deposits in the bank, you're not going to be able to make a withdrawal, right? So if your goal is 170, and you're going to be bothered by the fact that you get to say 205, right? Wanting to hang at 200 is stopping you from getting to 170, right? And you have to realize that. Now, we'll say that one thing that I, as a coach, had to get a lot better about, and I think that, you know, Susie touched on it a little bit, but it was the other case that happens that causes people to mini-cut. Um, but I would say that as a coach, I was overly sensitive years ago to your life circumstances. And so I would be like, oh, you know, just take your time, it's fine. And then all of a sudden it's like macro pass every Tuesday, you know, and there's just like a death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. If you talk to any of my private clients, what you will hear is that, man, <laughs> this dude is staying on top of me. And so if I have someone, you know, that's 350 pounds and we get them down to 320 and in that scenario, we start to reverse and they have one life event that kind of sucks, I'm going to ask them to power through it. Now, five life events might just take a break. I don't think I don't think in those moments it's best to focus on dieting. But let's be real. It's not always a great time to diet. That's the argument for a mini cut, right? Is that when it's not a great time to diet and you don't have some 
every little duck in a row, but you've got to act, right? Because otherwise, you know, we know when you guys want to act, right? Because you're yellow, you know, you're, you're, you're never red, <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes you'll be red or, you know, typically red works like this. It's a blank day. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that oh, the way right. it works? Oh, is that, yeah. So you go eight shit, barbecue, alcohol, crazy. That ends up being a blank day. Rarely is that is that show up as a red day. And then all of a sudden you see five yellow days, you know, because you're overreacting to that. And I can think of, you know, one example um, that, you know, I've been trying to work with with her for kind of a while. And, and part of the problem is, is that I think it's really easy to kind of cuddle up to the place that you are now. Like in, in the example that I'm thinking of now, um, the person is actually a pretty low weight, right? But the quickest way for her to gain weight is to sort of undereat all the time, right? And not allow her metabolism to normalize, not allow her to calories to over. And so if you overreact one day, you know, Susie or not, I, we're probably not going to be too bugged out about that. But if you're overreacting five days a week and then on the weekends, you're kind of doing your own thing, like just cancel, right? Because, because we're not helping you. You know, and and I recently had that conversation with someone and, and you know, you as as a caregiver, as someone that really, you know, I, I it's rare that I have to have those tough love moments. You know, um, I think if you're a coach and you have to have a lot of tough love moments, I don't think you're coaching really well. Right. You know, I saw that in a forum and someone was talking about that, that whole idea. And. You know, if as a coach, you know, what you're doing isn't benefiting the person, you know, maybe explaining the processes a little bit better or maybe kind of opening up the lines of communications. But in reality, you know, um, if a client would rather not have the line of communications open because they'd rather just do their own thing on the weekend, you know, then... You know, we're probably the only program that I can think of that realistically holds you accountable on a on a big level, right? right? My fitness pal, you know, they'll give you calories, but you're on your own, kid. Any other program, I mean, if you think that the Google Sheet people that charge you $200 is looking at your food log every single day, they are not, right? I mean, the level of accountability that you get, the data that we see is unprecedented. <laughs> it just is not, you know, seen at the scale that we can do it. That's what the app is so good for, right? And so it always amazes me when we go into files because we're talking about examples where people aren't being compliant. 95 to 97% of you are compliant almost all the time, right? Because you know, I'm paying for this. And so I want this service. And so if Susie can give me better information, if I'm more compliant, then 
I'm going to do that. So I think like anything, maybe like criticism or, or any time where somebody says something to you negative on Facebook, you know, you maybe focus on that one thing, you know. And so when we talk about yellow days or red days or things of that nature, I mean, you you just go to the, every file I have. Green, 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 you know. I mean, I just had a client who um, left, you know, coaching with me and just did not want to leave, right, because she, you know, just appreciates the interaction, right? And so she just moved back to regular population because, um, you know, she has – the ability to do that. Um, she actually was has been a client for us for years, um, and it's obviously less of a, less of a cost to do it, do it that way. Um, but it made no sense for her to be with me anymore, right? Because she was just going to do the same thing over and over again. Like we we had just we had just over years had just you know establish what was going to work and what was, and she just didn't need it anymore. I mean, she could probably coach me now, you know, and, and, and would probably do a better job, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, because <laughs> I just think that, I just think there's there a lot of people that, you know, I mean, just the good majority of you take this serious, you know, and, and so kind of getting back to the main point, because we, you know, Susie's actually got a hard stop and, and I probably should be wanting to get off as well. Um, but once I get going, it's sometimes hard to stop. But in terms of weighing yourself, in terms of doing it daily, I think it's going to provide you more information. But I think that you need to realize two things. One, the expectation. I love, once again, I mean, I'm just going to emphasize it so many times. The range idea that, that Susie was talking about, really super important. And then the other idea is that when you're not dieting, don't expect to lose weight all the time. Expect your weight to fluctuate. Expect your mental health to be affected when your weight goes up four pounds around time of the month, right? But think about if you, Think about, so this is interesting, and I'll try to be, be concise. When do you weigh yourself? Me, first thing in the morning. No, no, no. So, yeah, you and I weigh ourselves the first thing in the morning, and you should always weigh yourself first thing in the morning because that's probably going to be the best result that you can get. But think about when you're going to weigh yourself. When you go to the doctor, Right. You got clothes on all these all these things. And it's not first thing in the morning. You're not fasted. This and that. But a lot of people weigh themselves at the absolute worst time. Right. Because you're you go on vacation. You eat all these salty foods. You drink alcohol and you come home and you're like, please scale, you know, scale guides. Throw me a bone one time. And and of course, your 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 weight is up six pounds. You know, and then you overreact. If you had been consistently weighing yourself, you would not overreact. I mean, people people often say I don't like to weigh myself on vacation, and I get that. You once again, all of this these suggestions do you right? What works for you, do that. 
right? But what I'm saying to you is what's not working for you is not the thing that you think isn't working for you. The thing that's not working for you is the expectation that you have that the scale should be down all the time. The scale is not a dirty fat liar, right? Like the scale, the scale is just a data point, right? And so, so if you had a better understanding of that data, you would know how to react to that data. So when do people weigh themselves? Around the time of their month, right? Around their vacations, after the weekend away, you know, all these things because they're wishing and hoping that it won't be up, right? And then it's up. And if they had done that on Tuesday, they would realize, that they didn't need to do anything drastic, right? And so that's the thing. All right, we will end on that note. Um, holiday next week, so no podcast. Um, hopefully going to be getting out some good content. I put up a, a real good post, I think, on mental health and talking about my experience with uh, my therapist. Um, I have to say, up to this point, um, it's been a great experience for me. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, I walk out of there empowered, and then I have kind of my to-do list that I've been tacking. Um, the, it's, the best way to describe it is building your boat before the flood comes, right? And, and if you never have to use that boat, awesome, right? And, uh, I just, I just really strongly feel that a lot of what Susie and I talk about on a daily basis to people has some basis in mental health. And I think that if I can be a conduit towards a better approach to that, I really hope to be that for, for folks because I know it's something that a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about. And if some people um, are bothered by the fact that I'm talking about you know, mental health and self-care and that they, you know, go, well, I don't want to work with someone who has a mental health problem. Hey, I know virtually everyone in the health and fitness industry. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know any of them that aren't affected a little bit. Right. And I think most people are right. And so if you realize that I just want people to understand that not only are you not alone, like you have a lot of company. I think Susie wanted to say something and we'll end on that. Yeah, I was going to say people might be surprised. I have a therapist. I've seen one for about a year. Um, I love him to pieces. Um, he has helped not only me, but my family. Um, occasionally, my nine-year-old son will ask if he can go talk to him. Um, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I have absolutely no stigma, stigmas around mental health, um, nor do I think that you have to be someone who has hit rock bottom to go see, to go talk to somebody. Um, and most people would think I have everything in the world um, put together, and maybe I do, but it's still um, uh, found a way to challenge myself, a way to challenge some of my um, deep-seated beliefs and um, a way to grow um, as an individual, as a mom, as a wife, 
Um, and I think it's been amazing. So I just wanted to add that um, that I that I am there too, and that I also hope to you know kind of start putting out some more content myself, um, let you guys get to know me a little better, and, and some of the things that I deal with, and how I use my experiences um, as a coach to to help the people that I am working with. So that's all I wanted to say. We will end on that note. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. The fact that that anybody cares at all what we have to say is humbling for both of us so appreciate all of you and um i i you know i never say like and subscribe and and stuff like that but i guess you should right right? um but we do really appreciate all the people that listen listen and hope you have a great weekend and and hope you have a great holiday going into next weekend yep see ya later bye now Bye.